0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive Podcast. A weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. So you're itching to pick a fight. Well, there's something new. It's happened to all of us. My trigger was usually if I decided I was going to drink tequila because I knew that was just a night that I was feeling like someone somewhere needed to get my rage pointed at them. I mean, these are the things that we do. We under around, and I look for someone to get mad at. Because if I do that, then I usually get my way. Now I know. I sound like a five-year-old child stomping my feet, demanding that it be my way. But really, isn't that what it comes down to? It was all about me? Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about our resentments.
1: She's got about 25 years now on fine program, and we usually get along quite well. But once in a great while, even today, Barbara gets a little out of kelter in self. There's times she may do or say something to me that's a threat to one of the basic instincts of life, and when she does, it hurts. Now, i found that usually I can do one or two things. If my basic instincts are under control, my relationship with God is okay, and Barbara does that to me, I find I'm able to say, well, the poor old thing, you know, they're sick just like the rest of us, and it just slides off of my back and doesn't bother me at all. Now, two weeks from now, she'll do the same thing, and I'm not right with God that day, and my instincts aren't under control, and I blow my stack, and I romp, and I stomp, and I raise hell with Barbara and everybody around me all day long. For the first time I realize anger comes from a threat to one of the basic instincts of life and it's how I choose to react to that threat and with God's help I don't have to get angry. And if I don't have to get angry then I'm not in as much risk of taking a drink. But if I get angry, be careful because that's when I'm in extreme problems and that's when I might end up drunk. God, I'm glad I learned that because I can't do anything about old Barbara. I can't do anything about what she does, but I can do something with God's help about my reaction to it. I don't have—I didn't know these things. I knew none of this before I started this inventory process. I've learned three very valuable things. Column one, how angry I really am and how much that controls my thinking. Column two, it's not them I'm angry at; It's what they do that's got me upset. Column three, it's really not even what they do. It's how I choose to react to a threat to one of my basic instincts of life. That's been the most valuable thing I've ever learned about me, period. Now, we've got the
2: sheet filled out. Let's see where we go with it from here. Bottom page 65. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we finished it, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that pe- people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the ma- worse matters got. As in war, the victory only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. You know, when I did my inventory and I saw these resentments and how these people had controlled my life, and all the time I was thinking I was controlling my life, but through my thoughts and my resentments toward them, they were controlling my life. All of my life, they controlled my life, and I used to lay awake nights thinking about them, and my mind would race uncontrollably, and I was resentful for them, and I had to drink in order to stop that mind from racing uncontrollably you see and all the time it was them it was them that was controlling my life it really wasn't them it was me and what they had done to me and it wasn't even that it was my reaction to it that I chose to sit around and think about it and to resent them for it and to replay that into my head over and over and over again I had a choice about that then and I didn't have before this time
1: it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours it might have been worthwhile? And I read that statement and I tried to look back in my life and see how much time I've spent in resentments, how much time I've wasted. And I don't know about you guys, but I know about me. And I know when I've got a good resentment churning around in my head, I'm pretty well paralyzed from doing anything worthwhile. All I want to do is play that thing. And my favorite thing when I was drinking was to get up early in the morning, have a drink of whiskey and a cup of coffee, and turn on my resentment replay machine and replay what she said to me yesterday, replay what he did to me last week, replay what they did to me last month replay what the boss did to me six months ago, replay what God did to me a year ago, replay what my brother did to me five years ago, replay what my sister did to me eight years ago, replay what the neighbor did to me 10 years ago, replay what my mother did to me 15 years ago, replay what my daddy did to me 20 years ago, replay what my grandpa said 25 years ago. On and on and on and I just loved every minute of it. And it would take me just about an hour to run through that tape. And when that tape would run out, I'd have another drink of whiskey and another cup of coffee, and I would turn on my good even machine. Now, by God, the next time she does that, I'll do this, and she'll do that, and I'll show her, and they're not going to treat me that way, and I could spend another hour doing it. And I just loved every minute of it. My God, I've spent countless thousands and thousands of hours in resentments. And as I look back in that part of my life, to the best of my ability today, I don't see where it ever did me any good whatsoever. It never made me any money. Never made me feel better, just made me feel worse. Never straightened up a relationship with another human being, made them worse and worse and worse. And as far as I can tell, it's all wasted time. Now, as a human being, I've only got so much time to live here. And for the first time in my life, I'm sober. And I feel good. For the first time in my life I'm sober and I've got peace of mind and serenity and happiness and I didn't know you could feel this way. And by God, I love it. And I want every minute that I've got left, whatever it is, I want it to be feeling good. I don't want to waste any more this time. I don't have that kind of time to waste. Maybe I did when I was young, but I sure as hell don't now. And I want to enjoy every minute that I've got left. That's one of the worst things wrong with a resentment. It is absolute wasted time, and you can squander your whole life in it if you want to, and it'll never do you. A nickel's worth a good, period. But that's not the worst thing about a resentment. Here's the worst thing about a resentment.
2: But with the alcoholic <coughs> whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it's fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shed ourselves off in the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again, and with us, to drink is to die.
1: That's what's wrong with the resentment. It blocks God out of the mind. And with God blocked out of the mind, we don't feel good, and we stay restless, irritable, and discontented. We stay filled with that resentment, and our mind's only going to stay that way so long. And after a while, it's going to begin to think about that great sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a couple of drinks. Next thing you know, we become insane. We believe we can drink, and we end up getting drunk all over again. That's what's wrong with resentment. It gets you drunk. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. We turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. Always before, I looked at it to see what those suckers had done to me. Now I look at it to see what those resentments are doing to me. And if they're going to get me drunk, then I'm looking at it from an entirely different angle. We begin to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others fancied or real had power to actually kill. And I read that and I said, my God, how stupid can you be? All my life I've been proud of the fact that I stand on my own two feet. Nobody tells me what to do. I don't need your advice, thank you. I can handle my life quite well. And when I read this statement, I realized that I've never had control of my life. Other people have controlled and dominated my thinking as far back as I can remember through my resentments toward them. And if they're controlling and dominating their thinking, my thinking, they're controlling and dominating my decisions and my actions, and they very effectively have had control of my life. And I always thought I had it, and I never had it. And then I said, how, how stupid can you possibly be? Some of these people have been mm. dead and buried for years. They've been reaching out from the grave and they've had me but a yang-yang as far back as I can remember. And when I realized that I said to myself to hell with them, I'm not going to let them live in my head rent-free any longer. I've made a decision to let God control my thinking and direct it. And if other people can, alive or dead, justified or unjustified, then God can't. I never knew those things about me until I did a little few of these things. He said, now that we see that that happens to us, how could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. We now come to the first prayer in step four of the big book. You hear all the time about the step three, the step seven prayer. You never hear about the prayers in step four. I think what will happen to you I know it did with me. When I saw the stupidity of this, when I saw how those people control me through my resentments toward them, and I saw how dumb that was, about 95% of these resentments just said, and disappeared. We alcoholics like to, to view ourselves as reasonably intelligent people, and we don't like to look dumb. And we saw where about 95% of these resentments were just dumb as hell. They got to disappeared. But there's probably going to be one, two, three, four, or five that are deeply, deeply embedded, probably been with us for years and years and years, and they may not disappear. The book recognizes from step three on that self cannot overcome self, that we're going to have to have God's help, and from step three on, there's prayer in every step. Why? Why did I carry around so much anger? Why were my
0: resentments built up to the point where, whether they were real or imaginary slights from people that loved me, would cause me to go off the deep end? Why? Because I didn't see how they were attacking my basic instincts to me. How I felt that those requests to come home early was not a resentment. They wanted me to come home, but I took it as an attack that they wanted to make sure that they could control me. I didn't know that when people thought that I shouldn't be driving when I was drinking was because I was resentful that they didn't want to let me have my freedom, and they were just worried that I might kill myself or someone. You know, these are and can be some of the worst things that we carry around with us getting rid of all of that baggage, clearing the decks, or, as was said by Charlie, and has been said by many people, not letting people or things have free rent in my head. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site, The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie podcast.